Today on the show, we're talking about temporary employment. Welcome to the Simple Money Solutions Podcast, where we focus on your money from a Canadian perspective. This podcast is produced weekly and released every Monday. Show notes for every episode can be found at livelifesimple.ca. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Courtney, and joining me today is my co-host, Trevor. As mentioned in the introduction, today we're talking about temporary employment, and we're going to examine a news article that relates to this. So Trevor, today's news article is called Young People Are Right to Be Angry About Morneau's Acceptance of Job Churn by Rob Carrick, featured in the Globe and Mail. So in Rob Carrick's words, you make less money as a temporary worker. You may get smaller raises and you should expect to miss out on high value extras like pension contributions or health benefits. This is the personal finance side of job churn that federal finance minister Bill Morneau is talking about. He was reported as telling an audience of Ontario liberals last weekend that short term contract work will continue and young adults should get used to it. Young people reacted to the comments by heckling Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at a youth labor forum this week. They're right to be angry. Temporary work is second-class employment. According to recent Statistics Canada numbers, temporary workers earn roughly 75% of what permanent employees do. The median weekly wage of permanent workers aged 25 to 54 in September was $962, while temporary workers earned $720. Temporary work seems to be toughest on younger workers. Over the past two decades, permanent workers aged 15 to 24 had a cumulative after-inflation gain of 14% in medium weekly wages, and temporary workers had a 7% increase. These numbers contrast with those of 25 to 50 four-year-olds, where temporary workers gain some ground on those with full-time jobs. Working a temporary job, it's aptly called precarious work, also means people probably won't have company pensions or health benefits to cover dental bills, eyeglasses, prescription drugs, and more. The benefits consulting firm Morneau Chappelle says someone earning $50,000 in a permanent job might roughly receive $3,500 to $5,000 a year in value from the combination of contributions to a pension plan from an employer and company health benefits. The difference between the median permanent and temporary wage for those 25 to 54 years old over a year amounts to nearly $12,600. Add the value of pension contributions and health benefits not received and the disadvantage of temporary work grows even larger. It gets still larger for people with health issues requiring significant spending on prescription drugs or other medical services not covered by provincial health care. Mr. Morneau could have saved his government some grief by coming off as less accepting of temporary work. As we'll see, it's in the government's interest to have people work in permanent jobs instead of temporary work. But the minister has done us the favor of providing an honest view of a workforce that he has to be familiar with from his days at Morneau Chappelle. He resigned as executive chairman last fall after the federal election. Aside from Mr. Morneau, temporary work gets largely ignored. RBC Economics took a look at the millennial generation in a recent report that said young adults in the workforce are no worse off than previous generations. The report said the unemployment rate for people in their early 20s didn't change from 1979 to 2015, and that millennials have comparable job security to what people had back in 1979. Hardly mentioned is the temporary work trend that the finance minister says we should get used to. Mr. Murnau mentioned the improvements to the Canada Pension Plan and announced last summer as an example of how the government is adjusting to the permanence of temporary work. 
Increasing CPP payouts for the retirees of the future is smart policy, but it's far from the only adjustment that will need to be made. For example, young workers and their families will have to deal with issues that include, one, adult kids living at home. The trend is here to stay and parents must factor this into the retirement planning. Number two, retirement saving. It's a more important goal for temporary workers than home ownership. Number three, emergency funds. Having cash to cover a few months of expenses is crucial in case of a gap between contracts. And number four, renting versus owning. Job mobility is an overlooked issue in deciding whether to buy a house. Governments will have to adjust temporary work as well, notably because people working on contracts will typically pay less in taxes than permanent workers. If temporary workers can't save enough for retirement, they'll need more government help through programs like the Guaranteed Income Supplement. The temporary work trend is bad for personal and government finance. So again, Trevor, that was an article from the Globe and Mail by Rob Carrick entitled Young People are right to be angry about Murnau's acceptance of job churn. So now we're going to go in and, as we always do, break down this article and really get to the core of what it's about. Leading off this article, the very first few words, you make less money as a temporary worker. I want to break that down, Trevor. Yeah, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Uh, I'm sure for the most part, you do make less money. But I know where I work, they'll hire contract people for projects and, and whatnot with very specialized skills. And those people come in, they won't get benefits, they won't get pensions, but they will be paid a premium above the full-time employees for two reasons. One is uh, they need to lure them to, to take the contract position qualified people. And, and two is they know they're not paying their benefits so they can afford to pay them a, a higher hourly rate. I think this is really when you get to semi-skilled or unskilled uh, labor force, they're going to be paid less as, as an, in, a, in a temporary capacity. So we go back to your example of a specialized employee with very specialized skills. Do you think being paid more for the contract work that they do on the job outweighs not receiving the benefits and pension plans that the other employees do receive? Well, a lot of these people are trying to build a resume to land a permanent job. I know in some cases, I, I know people that have come to my place of employment on contract and their uh, their spouse has a full-time job and they work uh, contract work on and off to sort of supplement their income. They're, they're not the main breadwinner. So they're actually doing that by choice. You mentioned permanent work. In the next paragraph down, it says, quote, short-term contract work will continue. Young adults should get used to it, end quote. So do you see the combination of full-time jobs and contract work continuing? Or is this article, is it the article overstating that the, the prominence of short-term contracts? Well, you know, we need to stand back and just define permanent work versus temporary work. Back in the day, my father, over the course of his working life, he had two jobs. And, and my grandfather, he had one job. And they would look at me today who have had, you know, maybe four or five jobs as working, you know, very random temporary work. So it's part of it's about perspective. And we're in an environment where companies just don't stay in business. The likelihood of statistically working for one employer, for someone my age, from beginning of career to end, is almost non-existent. Trevor, so, I'm going to interrupt you. I'm just going to ask, why do you think this change has occurred when you look back at your parent, parents, which is just a generation ago, where he just had his two jobs, as opposed to today, where, where we're looking at contract work. Where did that change come from? I think it really has to do with the global economy. We're competing with the likes of China and the Far East. And we want cheaper goods. We farm out uh, unskilled jobs. And at some point, as these jobs leave and as we want lower and lower cost goods, meaning we're buying them offshore, at some point, our standard 
we're living is, is going to degrade. I think the global economy is a, is a big piece of this. Oh, for sure. And you and you see that the global economy is really changing. It's changing everything. It's changing the way we look at jobs, the, the way we purchase goods and services. It's changing everything. So well, you and, know, another aspect of it is the employee uh, is more informed because of the internet, the access of information. As employees, we're not as dedicated to the companies we work for. It used to be, if you wanted to find a job, all you really had available to you was your local newspaper. Well, now I can search for a job in any town in Canada. I can go on the internet. I can look at the classified ads of any local newspaper anywhere. I can go on all these mega job sites like Workopolis and Indeed and, and search out jobs. So we're not dedicated to employers as the employers are not is dedicated to the employees. Is that making employees look less satisfied or, or unhappy as in they're always looking for the next best thing? Is that saying something about the societies in general? Well, one thing is doing is keeping the employer honest because we now know what other jobs are out there. And, you know, you look at a job ad and list, you know, the responsibilities and, and tasks you sort of have to do for that job. You can compare it to the job you currently have. You can go for job interviews. We've talked about this before, job creep, where you have a job and your employer will slowly add tasks to your job and before you know it becomes unmanageable. So we have access to information via the internet that say 30 years ago, those people didn't. They just, all they had to do, all they had available was was talking to other coworkers or or people in other companies. And depending on the type of job you have, you may not have the network, like like for instance, somebody in sales has a very good network of people outside of their organization. An accountant is doesn't really have that network of people they can they can draw on to say, you know, what, what's it like where you work? I want to go back. You said the word honest. And I really like that because honest, it's not synonymous to transparency, but I feel like the word, those two words work really well together. And I feel like the job market today and just and with global economy as well and everything got getting to a global scale, transparency is so important. I, I think that's keeping everyone honest as well because the need to be transparent, the need to put your best foot forward so that people know this is this is who you are as an employer. Well, you've got things like LinkedIn and, and all, all these things where, where employers are actually rated by employees in, in terms of a good place to work or not a good place to work. With temporary work, is it's a tool employers use to do the ultimate interview, meaning they will hire somebody on as a temporary worker and they'll work that job for six months or a year. And if the employer likes them, they'll bring them on permanently. So it's a tool they use to assess an employee because getting rid of an employee after you hire them permanently is not that easy. So you mentioned how the organization benefits from contract work. And my question while I was reading this article was, do the employees benefit at all? Do the contract workers actually have an advantage at all? Or is it just the organization that doesn't have to pay pension and health benefits? I, I think for the average guy on the street, there, there's no upside for the employee. This is all employer benefit. Most people need a paycheck and temporary employment puts some uncertainty around that. For the employer, if they hit a, a slow period, there's no cost to them terminating the employee who's a temporary worker. So in my mind, it's all upside for the employer. Is it criminal that the employee employer is getting away with with doing this to employees or, or do we have to accept this as the new norm regardless of what we feel? Well, I, I would have thought in Canada being being a very socialist society, our government may have put in rules limiting the number of temporary workers a, a company could hire. You know, as this come, becomes more and more widespread, it, the government would step in. But it, it would appear not, as the Minister of Finance in this this particular article, is he's saying, get used to it. it it's not going to change. We're not going to legislate anything here. So I'm going to bring this conversation back to the article. 
and jump down to the next paragraph. Um, Rob Carrick says, quote, the right to be angry, temporary work is second class employment, end quote. Do you feel that's true, Trevor? Well, it is for all the reasons we just talked. There's a lack of certainty knowing where your next paycheck is coming from. You could be cut loose at any time. I happen to live in a really small town where the employment opportunities are very limited. And if I was a temporary employee and my employer decided they didn't need my services anymore, I'd be hard pressed to find a job to replace that. And I know where I work, there is some temporary workers and they're concerned about that all the time. It's, it's always a topic of conversation. So I think they are treated second class. You know, the employer can make unreasonable demands. And if, if the employee doesn't deliver, there's no downside to the employer just cutting that employee loose. There's no severance payout. I think these people work what's called month to month. They don't even have a contract at any given time. I think two weeks notice is all they need and there's no severance payout or any, any, any sort of soft landing for these people. Again, that brings us right back to the point of the organization is really reaping the benefits of this. And I do want to touch on this next quote, which it kind of contradicts what you said a few minutes earlier, that, quote, temp workers earn roughly 75% of what permanent employees do, end quote. So because you say your, your organization, that contract workers earn more for their specialized positions. But where are we seeing this pay cut occurring? Well, it's the unskilled or semi-skilled labor force. So when we get in, I'll say a, a, a computer programmer who's specialized in a, a specific programming language, those people, we don't need them on an ongoing basis. So when we, when we hire them, it's for a specific project. And in order to, to lure them to this particular assignment, we have to offer a premium to get them to come. But then with a semi-skilled or unskilled person, it's basically, it's a supply and demand thing. There's, there's more workers wanting that temporary employment than there is employment available. So the employer can obviously pay a lower wage. And you mentioned when you you source out employees when you need them. I find this an interesting concept because it kind of resonates with what you were saying earlier that the trend is to outsource your your employees because again this saves on uh, the organization organizational's cost to retain employees all the time when they just need, they'll need some skills here or there when they need them. This wholesale change that your prior generations have seen within organizations. Well, the one thing I've noticed though with with any temporary workers is there is a reduced conscientiousness to them. They have no idea whether they're going to be there next week, next month, next year. They're sort of focused on the day-to-day, just what's in front of them. They don't see big picture. They don't see... um, the benefits of sort of doing a thorough job because it, it'll just mean more work down the road if you don't because they don't know if they'll be that person. The employer does lose and I think they get a less conscientious employee. That's an absolutely fantastic point that I didn't consider and it kind of re- goes in my next question that I wanted to ask you. As as someone working within an organization that does hire contract employees, is there a stigma around these quote second class employment employees as opposed to the permanent positions? It's, it's almost like, you know, I wonder there's any chance they're going to hire you one and the longer they've been there the more disappointed the the employee is that they're not being added on as a permanent employee where i work permanent employees after so many years you get more and more paid vacation as a temporary worker you don't get that uh, so you're so you're saying trevor that you will get contract employees who essentially have maybe been there longer than some permanent employees yeah and depending on the position you know the the company just is not able to justify a permanent we call it headcount a permanent headcount for a particular position because it's it's so tied to volume, you know, the volume of work. Some of the stuff where I work is seasonal, so they're very reluctant to commit to uh, a permanent employee. We have a very seasonal demand to our product. This is a very broad overview question, but I want to ask it right now. And it is, 
how do we need to change the organizational structure or even the mindset of individuals in order for them maybe not to have anxiety levels about how long they'll have a job or how they need to adjust? Because right now, organizations are not set up for contract employees. Actually, society in general, the healthcare everything is not really set up for contract workers. But yet, this article is saying that this is where it's going. Well, if I'm a temporary worker, as soon as I land a contract and I start working a job, I'm going to be looking for that next contract all the time. And if that net tron- contract looks more appealing than the current contract I have, I'm just going to leave that contract and move on. And I think if more temporary workers adopted that mindset, always, always, always be searching for that next contract, then the, the employer is going to be left shorthanded people too often that they're going to say, okay, we can't operate with temporary employees. It's too unstable to our workforce. We're going to have to make this permanent. So I think if job, job churn gets too extreme, uh, an employer is going to have, have to every employer they they need a stable workforce to some degree and if the job churn gets too frequent then that's going to motivate employers to make permanent employees and you mentioned the word job churn and I did want to ask this earlier, but can you define for our listeners what job churn is? So job churn is just, you're always looking for another job. The minute you get a, a one temporary job, you've already got your feelers out, your your application, your resume, searching for that next job. You just know that this job is going to end. Job churn is just constant turning over of jobs. And if you are advertised as a temporary employee, I don't think that looks bad on your resume. So Trevor, I, I'm wondering why there's going to be such an impact on younger workers. Rob Carrick says, quote, temporary work seems to be toughest on younger workers, end quote. Why are we focused in on younger workers? Well, the younger worker, they they don't have as much to offer the employer in terms of experience. At best, they've got their education if they're freshly out of school. They're an unskilled labor force. They even got less to offer an employer. So the younger worker is always going to be the one most susceptible to being a temporary worker because they just don't have as much to offer. Employers, they haven't built up a resume of experience that, that an employer is going to value. Well, will we see old employees they'll get shifted to contract positions well once you reach a certain age uh, you're I'm going to say once you started getting old and tired, you've heard stories where people get uh, downsized or there's a reorganization and people get uh, early retirement offers or, or, or anything like that. And then they, then they often come back and work on contract to train new people to replace them or just they come in and work the busy season. I know I've seen it where I am. They've had a reorganization and uh, older people will be let go and they'll come back and, and work contracts. So it, it's really at both ends of the spectrum. And in that case, it definitely works to the benefit of the employee. Well, yeah, for the older ones, it can be a nice smooth transition to retirement, providing you don't get downsized too early. Definitely. So I want to get to an important issue that comes along with short term contracts is, quote, people probably won't have company pensions or healthcare benefits to cover dental bills, eyeglasses, prescription jugs and more, end quote. And this is this is kind of a very prevalent issue when it when it comes to contract work. Canadian government has stepped up by beefing up the Canada pension plan to help compensate for employers that don't offer pension plans at all, and especially temporary workers who wouldn't have a pension plan. That helps to some degree. But when I when I think of drug plans, we have a public health care system here in Canada, and a, a lot of money goes into to funding it. And what good is it to have doctors paying doctors huge sums of money to write prescriptions for 
patients who haven't who can't afford to fill the prescriptions because they don't have a drug plan. But that's a broken healthcare system. I think at some point the healthcare system is going to have to start funding drug plans if employers aren't. And that brings me to my very next point. If working a temporary job is going to become the norm, there has to be wholesale societal shifts and political shifts in order to make this work. This article suggests the temporary employee should be buying their own health insurance. But if you're being paid less than, than the full-time worker who has the paid benefits, where are you going to find the money to buy those those private health insurance? I really think that if we're going to have a public health care system and there is no benefit plans to pay for prescriptions, then it's it's only half a system. Oh, for sure. It's it's really missing the other piece of it. This next uh, quote, quote, it's in the government's interest to have people working in permanent jobs instead of temporary work, end quote. Why, why would it be in the government's interest? Well, one thing permanent work does is it gives the government a steady flow of income tax revenue, you know, a very predictable flow of income tax. It also funds uh, the employer taxes. So a, a permanent employee, the government's going to pay the employer health tax. They're going to pay into the Canada Pension Plan. It, it just it gets very, you get a lot of predictable tax revenue streams. So I think the government has a big upside there. And I like that you mentioned the word predictability. That leads me to my next question. People, people like stability. People like predictability. What's the draw for an individual to go into a contract or a temporary position? It's, it's at different points in, in someone's life. I know I'm going to be reaching a, a point in my life where I'm going to want to work for periods of time and then not work for periods of time. So I'll call it semi-retirement. I'm going to be seeking employment where I can work and I'll call it a project. I'll apply for a job where a company is implementing a new computer system, I'll call it. And I might have experience in that and I'll want to work for six months and then I want to be off for six months. So those are those are the type of things where someone's in semi-retirement that they might want to, you know, have, in, you know, intermittent streams of income to finance different aspects of their lives, maybe some travel they want to do. And, and the other one is maybe you want a younger person wants to get a lot of experience in a very short period of time, but they don't want to look like somebody who's who can't hold the job. They work and then they quit and they work. That looks bad on a resume. But if, if your resume says you took a temporary position to, to do different types of jobs, it doesn't look bad at all. That's a fantastic point. But I guess that wouldn't apply, though, for the young person who is trying to save up for a house or a car who needs stability and income. Yeah, then you need that predictable stream of income. You know, when you when you have bills and obligations, temporary employment is not a good not a good fit. So in relation to what you just said, I guess it is valuable that temporary work is becoming something that is becoming more popular because, like you said, there are people who do like change and and don't like to stay in the same thing for too long. I think that's the rare rare few though. I, I think people really prefer permanent employment. Uh, we are a very consumer driven society. Uh, we have a lot of wants and needs. I, I think permanent employment is what the average person in Canada seeks. I, I would have to agree with you on that. Uh, the next interesting quote that I, kind of contradicts what I've heard as a young individual entering the workforce is quote, millennials have compared job security to what people had back in 1979, end quote. And everything that I've recently heard is that it is becoming increasingly difficult for young professionals to to find work. You know, I don't know if this is a good comparison to 1979. I, I don't know the statistics, but I'm pretty sure the the millennial age group in 1979 wasn't as educated as they are today. So that that age group, uneducated in 1979, they didn't have student loans and maybe they didn't have high expectations. But when in, in 2016, a millennial coming out of school 
they put in a lot of time in educating themselves, preparing themselves for the workforce. Their expectations are are very high and and they need to be because they've racked up a lot of student debt. And back in 1979, uh, post-secondary was highly subsidized compared to what it is today. So I don't know if this is a good comparison. I definitely have to agree with you on that because that one quote just kind of threw me for a loop because it does contradict um, what what is said about job security today. I mean, there's one thing about statistics. You can spin them to say whatever it is you want them to say. Oh, for sure. And I'm not saying this isn't true, but I'm saying you have to peel back the onion and look at the circumstances. In 1979 to 2016, I'm certain you could find a lot of discrepancies. Definitely. Um, so Trevor, I do have a question relating to the past. And in this article says, quote, temporary work trend, end quote. So they're calling, Rob Carrick is calling temporary work a trend has this trend occurred in the past or is this something completely new for this this time period i'll just take me for instance so if i go back to the mid-1980s when I started working, I have never applied for or been offered or held a temporary job in in that time period. And a lot of my friends and family that I worked with or, or, or associated with, I don't recall any of them working temporary jobs or having to deal with temporary employment. So I personally think it is far more widespread today than it was 30 years ago. Is it, I know, I know we did touch on this earlier, but I just want to reiterate this. Is it the organizations just trying to slip through the cracks and trying to make a profit wherever they can. It's this world economy and trying to be competitive with other cultures that have other uh, employment sort of systems in place. It's really hard. Like when I can go on Amazon and order something from China myself, rather than go and buy it locally, I am participating in the world economy. I'm employing somebody in another country at probably a far lower wage, possibly a temporary worker, rather than somebody here in my home country seeking a permanent job. So we're all guilty of it. I really believe this world economy is what's driving our reduced standard of living here in North America, particularly Canada. And with globalization becoming ever more prominent, do you think the reduction or elimination of of permanent jobs is in our future to be replaced completely or almost completely by temporary work? Well, for everything we buy that was made in China that used to be made in Canada, those are jobs lost. That can't continue without a reduction in our standard of living here in North America. It just can't be sustained. That's fascinating that you equate our standard of living to to maybe not having the pension plan or the health benefits given to us by the employer. Well, they didn't just disappear because somebody just said, hey, let's see if we can do this. It, they disappeared because of the bottom line of companies trying to stay competitive. And I think that is the root of of where I, I was thinking is that the it's all about the bottom line. And, and because of the globalization, we need to we need to be competitive. You're completely right, Trevor. I couldn't agree more. Well, I know the company I work for. They have closed several North American manufacturing facilities in favor of two places. They are outsourcing from a third party in China, or they've they've also opened up manufacturing facilities in Mexico. And the news suggests they have a lower standard of living than we do here in Canada. So in doing that, I, you have to think that that eventually that is going to filter back to our standard of living. Definitely. Moving through the article, it touches, and we touched on this earlier, but it says, quote, Canada Pension Plan announced last summer as an example of how the government is adjusting to the permanence of temporary work, end quote. So like you said earlier, uh, CPP is adjusting to temporary work. 
But I think the only thing that needs to uh, come full circle, which you didn't mention earlier, is healthcare. Yeah, it just makes no sense to have doctors writing prescriptions and and sending people for tests to diagnose that they need a particular drug that they can't afford to buy. I think that's where this is going. We're going to have a broken healthcare system. We're going to have a ton of diagnosis, a ton of prescriptions that nobody can afford to fill. I couldn't agree more. It's like a chain that's broken. It's well, not it, It's not going to be sustainable. It isn't yet because uh, pe- people are still, I, I, I don't know anybody personally who, who's gone for a medical test or had a prescription that they haven't got filled, but those days are coming. They are on the horizon as long as temporary work, jobs without paid benefits exist. Which is so, as we see, so prevalent and it's it's heading that way. So I, I commend Rob Carrick for this article because he is, he is looking at it very critically and very forward thinking and really, really predicting how how are the how the jobs are going to play out over the next few years well and do you think the shift is going to happen quickly do you think temporary work is become is, or is it already really prominent in today's um organizational systems i'll say in a 20 year span i've seen it, it where i work go I, i'd say it probably doubled from when i started and you know this article talked about uh, the you know uh, it's the government prefers full time employment because canada is a very socialist society a lot of government programs so it talks about if uh, an employee doesn't have a sufficient pension plan, that there's the guaranteed income supp- supplement, which which subsidizes somebody who who's I'll say below the poverty line. The the government is more than likely going to step up for subsidizing prescription drugs if employers don't, and that that will just be pushed back on the employer through employer health taxes. So at the end of the day, the employer is is going to be paying for it one way or another. I just just a thought that just jumped into my head. Just a thought. Yeah, no, I I agree with that statement. So I, Trevor, I really like how the four four points that Rob Carrick mentions um, that young workers and their families will have to deal with these issues that are just a by factor of of temporary work. And it's funny because two, actually three of these four points are actual, are actual uh, episodes that we have made. Well, um, we have adult kids living at home, renting versus owning. And of course we've talked tons about retirement savings. Well, I want to say these are sort of the foundations of, of personal finance. And I think what Rob Carrick is saying here is these are just going to become more, more, far more important when you're temporarily employed. And uh, take the point number four, renting versus owning. And we've seen from the articles that we've examined on here on our show that this is an is an issue that's becoming more popular people are renting versus owning and i think everything works hand in hand you really have to see how temporary work could be spawning uh renting versus owning and vice versa yeah it just it doesn't make any sense to get into a a high mortgage payment when you're temporarily employed so uh, in emergency funds i mean they're a good idea for anybody Uh, that was point number three but if you're temporarily employed you need to think about those job gaps because they're going to happen. Retirement savings, I mean, everybody should be focused on it, but if you don't have a pension plan of any kind, it just gets elevated to be more important. And the way I see temporary work, I don't see it, just after we say these four points, I don't see it as a negative or a bad thing. I think it's just different. We have to save emergency funds differently. We have to consider our living options differently. We have to we have to just think differently. I don't think it's a bad thing. Well, if it becomes a culture shift or becomes the new normal, I truly believe it, it's going to it's going to mean a reduction a reduction in the standard of living in, in our country because of the global economy. Do you think it'll happen so gradually that 
we won't even notice happen- it happening? Well, this article would suggest it's a, a burning issue, right? For the fi- Minister of Finance to, to raise it or comment on it, it's not sort of happening gradually. It, it seems like it's happening en masse or there's, there's a, a group that said here in the article, there's a group that was heckling the Prime Minister, uh, a youth group, because of uh, job churn and, and temporary employment. I, I just think it's, it's, gonna, it's not going to go away quietly. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. And as a young professional myself, I mean, we you hear that it's hard to find jobs, job instability. So the idea of temporary work becoming the norm is just it's a scary thought. And I don't think it's very comforting for individuals leaving post-secondary and entering the work world. Well, I think millennials, I don't think they're going to end up with a job, a single job that pays all their bills. I think what you're going to see is, is they're going to have multiple jobs. They're going to have a job that, that is not overly satisfying, but it delivers a steady income. And then they're going to have another job, which is more in their wheelhouse of personal interest and they find very engaging, but pays less. And, and- this... Sorry, continue, Trevor. Well, and I think that's where the millennial generation, that, that's how they're going to push back is they're going to say, if you're not offering full-time jobs, we don't want them. You know, I'll, I'll take temporary work. Don't expect me to be dedicated to the organization. So it's really not the organization controlling the employees. It can work the other way around. If there's a culture shift and the millennials sort of go down that path I described, the control shifts to the employee. And the whole idea of the temporary work, which sparked what you said previously, was that we really are, this generation really is living differently than their parents. They can't possibly follow in their parents' footsteps, which is, I, we mentioned this in the past too, you really, because everything's changing, nothing is really the same as it was for our, like parent, the past generation. Well, and it's changing very quickly. My How my parents grew up changed from how I grew up, but it changed subtly and slowly and evolved. So when I look at where I am now to where my parents were at the same age, it's changed, but to get from, from there to here, it happened very slowly. I think the changes we're going to see on around employment and the obstacles and opportunities facing millennials is going to change so rapidly. You, you won't recognize uh, 10 years from today, you, you won't recognize the same society, the same culture. And again, we can equate all that back to globalization, which really causes everything to speed up. Well, globalization and the access to information, the internet has placed a lot of power in the hands of the people. Definitely. And that is even why employees and people are becoming more critical and becoming more assertive in what they want because they know what's out there. Information is always power. So if the, the more information the employee has, you know, over the employer or about the employer, the, the more power they have. To know what a good wage was when I started working, it was whatever I was offered by, by the employer. And if I went to another the job interview, if that employer offered more money, well, then uh, I thought, well, I guess I was being underpaid before. You can quickly see if for the particular job you're in, if you're being overpaid or underpaid, it, it doesn't take long for somebody to access that kind of information. Oh, for sure. And Trevor, would you agree that this is bigger than just a temporary work at an organization? It this could be the spark of a lot of large changes in the the economic system in the political system and just the in the way that things currently function. Well, when, when the Minister of Finance is saying, get used to it, uh, that's a big message. You know, the, the, the government is accepting of this way of employment. They're not about to step in and make changes. So Trevor, before we end this episode, is there any other final thoughts you have about this article or, or the subject of temporary work? The closing statement in this news article says, the temporary work trend is bad for both personal and government finance. And I'd say in the short term, that statement is true. In the long term, I think maybe not. 
Couldn't have said it better myself, Trevor. And that is it for this episode. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out the show notes at livelifesimple.ca. Make sure to give this show a rating on iTunes. Definitely check us out on all our social media platforms. And until next week, keep it simple.